Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is dedicated to the pursuit of relaxation, contemplation, and a cure for tongue bite. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast dedicated to all of you pipe smokers throughout the world. I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you alone from the smoke-filled recording studio built here in my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, in tonight's show. Going back to the regular format, Pipe Parts going to be talking about the uh, Sassini brand, so I'll get back into some of those English English pipe brands, this time specifically talking about Sassini, and the reason I'm going to talk pipes is because my guest knows a whole lot more about tobacco than I do. Mark Ryan of DNR Tobacco will be on the phone with me in just a little bit, and let me tell you, not only does he live in tobacco country, but he breathes tobacco, so hope to pick his brain for a lot. Uh, music... Going back to the blues, going to hit the blues again by request, and I found a wonderful, wonderful Freddie King piece. Uh, Mailbag, going to catch up on a couple of things that we missed out of last week's show, a couple of quick notes that I want to catch up on there, and then I'll talk about the uh, Music City Pipe Show and uh, Sales Conference. That was uh, 10 days ago, I want to recap on that, and all the usual stuff at the end of the show. Do want to mention, I don't need a flu shot this year because apparently I caught the cold early, so hopefully uh, save me on having to get a flu shot, so I've been dealing with that. If I sound a little groggy, a little froggy, it's because of that. Uh, my dad was in town last week, last weekend, came in uh, late Thursday night, got rid of Kevin, got my dad. So uh, spent some time, we uh, actually went over to the auto fair at the charlotte motor speedway and looked at a whole bunch of cars that were uh, classic or new cars when he was growing up classic to me that was kind of fun to walk around and look at that and who would have known but american motors company yeah the amc the gremlin the javelin had some really cool cars before they went really ugly in the 70s or 80s but anyway that was a lot of fun got to see the global rally cross as well so all right everybody Let's get the show going. Sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. Here we go. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The term one-stop shop is so overused. There's no place that is literally a one-stop shop. Well, guess what? When it comes to your quality tobacco products, there is. It's cupojoes.com. With hundreds of pipe tobacco blends, thousands of pipes in stock, a wide variety of cigars, coffees, accessories, and so much more. All you have to do is go to cupojoes.com. And there it is, cupojoes.com. Quality products, extraordinary prices. I'm not just a pipe smoker, I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. 
All of my pipes come from MearshamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including Calabash, Claws, Dragons, Horror, even a sexy series. MearshamStore.com, the most trusted Mearsham store for 50 years. Welcome back. In just a few minutes, Mark Ryan will be on the phone with me. But in the meantime, let's talk pipes. And in particular, last uh, two weeks ago, we talked about Dunhill pipes and gave you a brief rundown on them. Now, the reason I chose to talk about Sassini is because Sassini is kind of one of my favorites. For a while, I thought it was kind of a hidden gem. Then uh, last June in Kansas City, I was talking to Tony Soderman, who's a Sassini collector and highly knowledgeable in the area. And he kind of indicated to me that the old one-dot patent era Sassinis, the prices were going way up on them. They were getting more and more scarce. Now, in last week's show, I joked about cleaning my one-dot Sassini patent for Kevin after I dropped it in the toilet. I actually did drop it. I didn't let him smoke it, though. But it had been cleaned a long time ago. So I was kind of interested in watching the values of pipes for a while. So, watching the online auctions and watching a couple of pipe shows and stuff, I did notice that Sassini's prices are creeping up. So, it kind of piqued my interest, and I thought I'd talk a little bit about Sassini here. Uh, Sassini was founded by, and I'm going to call him Joel, because there's a little bit of confusion of, as to his name, by Joel Sassini in 1919. Uh, Joel, at one point, was the factory manager for Dunhill, so he knew how the pipes were being made splintered off and created his own brand. Uh, Getting started was a little rough. History says that right after opening that there was a fire in his factory and it burned to the ground and he started it back up again. He started with the one dot. The one dot was blue right up on top instead of Dunhill's white one dot up on top. And that caused Joel a little bit of problems to the point where the trademark of the white one dot, he got sued and was forced to create what is now known as the four dot. The dots were moved to the side and four dots put in in a triangle. Now, if you're trying to age date Sassini's, I'll give you a couple of clues to them. First of all, the the time period from 1919 to 1923-24, that's, that's the only time you're going to see the one dot up on top. The four dot, you're going to see that show up 1923, 24, 25, and that's going to continue. But all the way up until just at the start of World War II, those four dots were very small. And the Sassini scripted stamp name had a little fish-looking tail come off of the last letter in Sassini. So it's called the Fishtail uh, fish logo. And occasionally you'll see a patent number on there. You'll know that those are older Sassinis, almost guaranteed to be pre-World War II. There is a little bit of confusion because Joel passes away and his son Alfred Sassini takes over the factory and post-World War II, from about 1947, 48, 49 until the mid-50s, 
there's a transition period between all new logoing with the new Sassinian script and some of the old stuff. So you'll see some 1947, 48, 49. You'll see different, slight different variations in there. What I've decided for my collection, and again, I have a couple of key pieces from each of the British factories, is to try to just get pipes that have the patent number on there. The pipes in the patent era came in two finishes. The uh, famously carved rusticated ones that looked like they really looked like they were wire brushed and they have the, the firm ridges or the smooth. Uh, Sassini did not put out a flawed pipe under their name. They did have several lines of seconds, and you can go online and, and search what those were, but Mayfair is one that comes to my comes to uh, comes to my head at the moment. Now you get into the mid-50s and the new Sassini scripted name is on there. After that, you'll also start to see them called four dot rustic or four dot natural. You might even see a four dot walnut. All the shapes at this point are all named after towns in England. So instead of having a classic Dunhill sized or Dunhill shaped billiard, they call that the Buckingham. The pipes come in different sizes, different quality of grain on each piece, but if it's a smooth, it's going to be flawless. If it's a rusticated, it's going to be rustic. Now, in 1979, Alfred sells the company. And for a couple of years afterwards, they're still using old stock and running old stock down. Alfred retires. And then by 1986, the Sassini company is sold again. And the brand becomes what they qualify it as, as a mid-market price pipe. By that time, you can really tell the difference because they start changing the names, they start using shape numbers, and the dots get dramatically bigger. The collectible period that I want you to look for, then, is anything with the smaller dots, anything that has a shape name that is a town in England, and, again, those smaller dots, a little more delicate shaping. Later on in the late 80s, 90s, the shapes start getting bigger and bolder and the dots start getting bigger. A couple of other things to look out for is the super rare eight dots. That's two four dots on each side. There's rumors to a double one dot, which is one dot on each side of the stem. There's a two dot that's been floated around and a single blue bar up on the top of the stem, similar to what Costello does. So there's a little bit of a rundown of Sassini. If you can get a chance to get one, pick it up. They're great old smoking pipes. And again, make sure that the pipe has been restored, not re-engineered or over-reamed or beaten and abused. So there's my rundown on Sassini for you. In just a minute, Mark Ryan. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. 
There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. It is my pleasure to have joining us on the Pipes Magazine radio show, Mark Ryan, who many of you may not know, but Mark is an old tobacco guy going way back. Mark owns Daughters and Ryan, the pipe tobacco brand. Mark, you're involved in so many other things, so we'll just stop with all the pleasantries and get right to it. Mark, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Brian. It's, it's a pleasure and honor to, to be a participant. Thank you for inviting me. Now let's go back all the way to the beginning and tell everybody, where where'd you grow up and how did you get into the tobacco business? Well, actually, I grew up in Virginia, and my wife and I moved to North Carolina in 1991, and I was going to run a winery in town, believe it or not. I have a finance and strategic planning background, but my hobby was wine when I lived in Virginia and had been on the board of directors of the Richmond Wine Society for eight years and moved down here to actually run a, a winery in town. I uh, did not realize at the time the winery was bankrupt, but my wife is a physician, and they were recruiting my wife at the local hospital. And I can't help think that had some influence on my getting hired. But I started working at the winery in April of 91, and we closed it a few months later once I got in and looked at the books and realized they were bankrupt. So I was high and dry in Smithfield, North Carolina, with nothing com comparable to what my background had been working for these big corporate offices, and looked around, and all we had was sweet potatoes and tobacco. And I figured, <laughs> man, uh, I'm not into sweet potatoes. Maybe I can come up with something for the tobacco. And the president at the time, who I will not name, was on TV pounding on the table saying he was going to raise cigarette prices to $40 a carton. So I decided, well, you know, people will get back into tobacco and roll their own or grow their own leaf or something. So I, actually, I started in late 99. I went to uh, visit the Republic Tobacco Plant in Whiteville, North Carolina. And their line was going by so fast I couldn't read the labels. Wow. And I was amazed to find out that back at that time, because we started in Roll Your Own, as you know, that Roll Your Own was so big that those guys are running that that line eight hours a, a shift, three shifts a day, seven days a week. So I left that plan after my tour thinking, you know, if I can capture just 1% of that company's business, I can make a living. So I contacted a bunch of tobacco people, and uh, I was lucky at the time there wasn't a barrier to entry like there is today. And a lot of people took me under their wings because they wanted me to stay and be successful so my wife wouldn't move. So... <laughs> I, I got a start, and, you know, I think my palate was real refined from all the wine tasting. I just got into tobacco and, you know, the exotic leaf that was available and everything that was, you know, so close to me here being in North Carolina. And uh, I launched the company in January of 1992, and, um, you know, I've grown every year. In 2009, in January, we converted to pipe tobacco, and we presently have... 29 blends of premium type tobacco in our portfolio. Do you think your years of tasting wine helped you with tasting tobacco? 
Yeah, I, I really do. It's kind of funny, but it really refined my palate because I know when I'm sampling tobaccos and blending, trying to come up with a new blend, I, I feel like I can detect nuances that that help me figure out which tobaccos are going to go well together and what's going to marry and what's going to have a really good taste and aroma. And I just play with it. And, you know, usually when I find stuff that satisfies my picky palate, most people seem to be pretty, pretty happy with it. Are there, in your opinion, are there people that are super tasters or can someone learn, you know, some, some novice learn how to really taste and develop a palate? You know, I really think it's a matter of time. Some folks I don't think will ever have it. Uh, some people, well, you look at Russ Ouellette, who everybody knows. He's been smoking pipe tobacco for so long. He can detect the nuances and the flavorings, you know? But it's from experience. It's it, it's kind of like the move, uh, the the book Outliers uh, by Malcolm uh, Gladwell. He talks about what is it makes some people exceptional. Ten hours of work, you know, it doesn't come by you naturally. And I and I suspect some people may have some genetic inclination for it. But I, I know the palate I have for tobacco now is not what I had when I first got in the business. Describe what it's like when you're when you're looking at just raw leaf. What's the tasting process that you go through with just a just a raw bale of leaf? Well, when I'm developing a blend, it's it's fairly complex because I know initially what varietal character I'm looking for. So typically we'll have a big table set up, and there'll be larger bags with the whole leaf in it, and then there'll be smaller bags with some that have been cut. Well... Part of it is the aesthetic. I've got to admit, you've got to look at it visually, too. You don't want any gray, thin tobacco that's light in body that doesn't have any texture. So, you know, you look at it, you stick your nose in it, you smell it, um, you taste it. Um, I like to make some up and try it unlit for a while um, and see how the draw is and the taste and aromas. And then I light it up and I'll experiment with it for a while and I'll put it back down and come back to it. Uh, it, it's important time of day when you test and also what you've had to eat or drink. So I, I try to evaluate more than once. But once I've done that, it, it might be that I reconstruct my blend. You know, I've got to be pleased at each at each step in the proce- process. And if I get to the point where it's got the aesthetic, it's got the texture, it's got the feel, it's got the aroma, but if it burns and it's off, off balanced and it's not married it's not going to work so it's a matter of trial and error and if you have all the resources available to you you can get a good first stab in one day but it, it doesn't it doesn't happen real quickly you know in some things you might have to press you know and you'll have to come back a week or two later uh, but generally you know it takes all your senses it really does and and I, this may be a personal question and I and you don't have to answer it but you don't you don't smoke a lot all day long, do you? Uh, no, I don't. I don't smoke cigarettes at all. Actually, I smoke my pipe occasionally, and I smoke cigars frequently. I will smoke a couple cigars a day while I'm traveling in or when I'm going home. It's relaxing to me, and I'll smoke a cigar or a pipe at the office. But I, I'm not, you know, a real regular hardcore smoker. I just do it for pleasure, and I enjoy it. I'm not someone that has to have tobacco in my mouth all the time, though. <laughs> When, but I, I prefer pipes and cigars. And you and I, I have some of my favorite stories involve you in 
in particular, the first time I think we met in person was at your retail store off of I-95 in eastern North Carolina. And the shipment that I had sent you was arriving at the same time. I remember that distinctly. I was so tickled that you'd come out and personally made a visit and help us get set up. And and actually, you left some signs, and we still have some signs up. In fact, one of the signs I have in my corporate office now over in the in our uh, copy room. Yeah, those were good times. We've we've seen a lot together, Brian. We really have. And then not the. And then we also had a really great dinner one time at a uh, pizza place outside, of, out just down the road from the Chicago Pipe Show. I believe it was you, me, and your dad. Yes. And somebody. And that was such a fantastic evening. Yeah. We had. I think we we took the shuttle over to DG. Was it? Um, DeGeneros or Giordano's at Giordano's, and I believe we walked back. But I was so thoughtful because my mother had passed away, and for a few years before my dad got bad, I took him to the shows. And he was so excited to go to that pizza shop with you. And he talked about that so many times. And and I really appreciate that because that was, you know, things like that really made the last few years of my dad's life special. And I really appreciate that. That meant a lot to me. And we'd always you find know what you. My, you know what my, you know what my fondest memory is though. I swear it's one of my fondest memories of the whole, my whole career in the industry, included you. Um, I hadn't been in the business that long. I would say it was maybe uh, mid to late nineties, and that was when you were working with Peter Stokeby. Yeah. And we all loved Peter. He was just very avuncular. If you knew him, he was like an uncle to everybody. Just a warm fella. And there was, I think it was an RTDA that was was at the Venetian, and you all had rented a second floor little party meeting room. Do you remember that? 2002. It was, it was such a thrill. Was it that late? Okay, yeah. I didn't realize it was that recently. But it was such a cool event, and I felt so special to be there with Peter because there were only about 15 or 20 folks there, and I felt so honored to participate. And I'm looking around the room, and, I mean, I'm not a fancy guy. And just, you know, when I first started going to Vegas and seeing things, it was just such an eye-opener to me to see the extravagance. And as I looked around that room, I saw my best friends in the world. And, you know, I see this food that's so amazing. I'm thinking, gosh, what is that? I want to take pictures of it. I don't want to look stupid. <laughs> but it was just so just so remarkable, and I, I got a terrific drink when I came in and after that I'm not kidding you the waiter he knew what I wanted he kept bringing them over but the thing that was so neat I'll never forget I was sitting on the window ledge looking out and at the Venetian there at St. Mark's Square you've got a canal that goes under the window okay and I'm looking out and I can hear a woman who's on our level down away from us singing some sort of uh, opera song out the window I look out in the distance, and you probably remember this. They usually have a guy that's dressed like a statue. He's all in white. Yeah. And some young couple comes up with a little child, and that white statue guy puts his hand down behind the child's head, and they take a picture. And I look across the steps on the other side, and there are half a dozen people in medieval costumes playing the old-fashioned music. And as I look out the window, there's a couple kissing and embracing as they go through you know, in one of those Italian, whatever the boats are, I forget, you know, underneath the uh, underneath the window, and I look over, and Peter Stokeby goes, 
Mark, I've got a new blend I want you to try. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, it just doesn't get any better than this. You know? And it was very special because it was not long after that. When was it, 05, that Peter passed away? It was the next year. Was it? It was 03. Well, was it 03? It's hard to keep track of time with all the trade shows. I'll tell you, I'll never forget that night. It was just so special in every way. That's part of the beauty. And thank for... you, Brian. Thank you. I mean, you, you were a real part of that for me. Well, that, and you invited me. That's part of the beauty of this business is you were making a product that technically competed with one of our products, but we were also selling new product, and it's an industry that survives together as a whole, and it survives right. better that way. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're, I'm going to ask you some questions about some of the Daughters and Ryan blends. So stay All with right. us. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> in fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. <laughs> This is Internet Radio. We are back. Mark is still with us. Mark, you've got an extensive line of pipe tobaccos that you're making. Can you talk us through some of the blends? Where Where do you want us to start off with? Well, let me let me give you a brief introduction. We have 29 premium blends, Brian, and we have them by style, by type of tobacco, and our trademark brands reflect that. For example, our Venger series is what I call a U.S. blend. It's non-flavored. It's not an aromatic. Most of our tobaccos are non-aromatic, just premium tobacco varietal character. The Venger series has Burley, Oriental, and some Virginia. It's well-balanced, got some complex flavors, really delicious. A lot of folks like our Windsail series. The Windsail is all flu-cured. We have three different styles of that, too, depending on how you like it. And we tweak different things to give the different varietal characters, you know, a little more accentuation in the blend, so they're all very different. We have a, a series where we do add some aromatic components, and that's our Roland series. We have three of those. I'm into Orientals big time, I've got to admit, and we have three Oriental blends that are called Ramback, and I'm partial to them. Also, we have three uh, toasted burley-type uh, blends that, you know, create a natural sweetness when you roast something twice, from what I understand from asking the folks. It's a change in the amino acids to amino sugars that makes it naturally sweet. We also have four perique blends, which are interesting, different styles of perique, 
Uh, we have the Picayune blend, which is interesting. The base on that is is dark air cured. And then our AB Rimbochet has Acadian black in it, which is air cured or, or dark fired tobacco from Kentucky that's been processed like Perique. So it's not really Perique, but it's got that tobacco in it. Perique process. Then we have some Canadian tobaccos and some cigar blends. We try and you know, focus on different varietal types and bring out the strengths in each of those. And I'm I'm such a tobacco weenie, I guess my friends call me. I'm I'm not really into flavoring that much. So I know, I know a lot of the market's into, you know, the big aromatics and, you know, the strong flavorings. That's just not not our thing. But we have a following. We found that a, a lot of people like our tobaccos because you get the the true natural varietal flavor. And, and, you know, it's interesting. In talking to our customers, they smoke them differently. Um, we have a number of customers that just love our stuff the way they are out of the tin, you know, or out of the can. They love it like that. We have others that blend them. You know, they want to, you know, bring some more Perique into their mix, or they want to bring some Virginia into it or a little Burley. And they'll make their own, you know, personal blend. Uh, I've even had some customers tell me that, you know, they've wet it and pressed it, uh, you know, in a press they've made. And, you know, or, or another fellow told me how he did some changes and mixed it with some other stuff and stoved it. So we have different types of customers. Uh, I've even, I know for myself even sometimes I smoke them differently because I've fallen into both of those groups. But I've been even out before and gotten a tin of really expensive tobacco. And I know how I am sometimes. I only get halfway through it, and I hate to, you know, to dump a, a bowl that's got half of it, you know, unsmoked when it's really expensive. So if I want to, you know, mellow it maybe with a little Virginia, I'll put some of mine in there, basically be a buffer, really, and put the high-dollar stuff on top, and I get the benefit of, uh, you know, the sweetness of whatever I put for mine in there without, you know, distorting the high-dollar stuff. Now, let me... so there, are, there are all kinds of ways ways to you know play with pipe tobacco as you know let me backtrack my customers tell me let me backtrack a little bit because you said a couple of things that piqued my interest are you the only one that's using a uh, toasted burley and pipe tobacco right now i you know i don't know ours is double toasted which is rare yeah because it's expensive but it totally changes the varietal character of the burley because personally i'm not a real big burley guy I, I work with Burleys because they do add some, you know, some character. But to my palate, <coughs> excuse me, to my palate, sometimes they can be a little too earthy. And I found that the double roasting just brings out just a delicious flavor. I mean, it's wonderful I, to my palate. So yeah, I, I like it. And then you also said Canadian tobacco. Explain that yeah. one. Well, a, a number of our customers like the real bright Virginias. Okay. You know, I, I like different styles, and, and really you get different character out of a Virginia depending on your stalk height and the grade across that height. Flu cured is, is harvested by the leaf. So currently what we do is we have four, four heights. You've got the very bottom, which are called the lugs, and then above that you have the cutters and then the leaves and the tips. And they have different characteristics in terms of nicotine and tar and, and, and varietal character, and you have to mix those, you know, so they work best. Well, the Canadian flu cured has different 
characteristics to it. They have a, you know, it's a cooler climate. They have a different season, and they have they they bring different notes of flavor in into a Virginia mix. I, like like some of them have like a straw note or a, you know, like a grassy component, and I like to play with different things, you know, that bring out the varietal character. In two of our blends of Virginia, um, that that have a significant amount of Canadian, we actually call Penhooker. And those those are dominated by the Canadian character. Is that going to give more of that flavor of like the uh, the the English or Canadian style cigarette? I would say so, because the Canadian cigarettes, you know, like players and stuff like that. When I first got started, those were the only cigarettes that were all Virginia, and we all thought they were crazy to smoke straight Virginia. Yeah. But well, I tell you, once you get into it, you love it. Now, the thing with Virginia, which is funny, it's it's just like Perique or Latakia. It, the palate is different from different people, and I always tell people, see what you like before you, you know, before you prejudge, you know, by price or by name. But Virginia, um, I can always tell when there's Virginia in a blend because I'm sensitive to it, and I get sort of a a dry sensation on the back of my palate, which is kind of akin to like the tannic acid dryness you get from a red wine around you know, your, your lips and, and your teeth, but it's in the, the back of my throat. Um, I like that to certain, you know, for a certain balance in some things. If it's too, if it's too intense, it, you know, it's too much for me. But I know some people are sensitive to that and don't like the Virginias. I love Virginia, though. It's just got to be balanced. So it's, a, it's a, just a slightly different style of what we're used to getting in our Virginia pipe tobaccos. Yes, it is. And you know, and there are different types of Virginias. You've heard of, you know, Old Belt and the New Belt and stuff like that. So, you know, it depends on where it's grown. And Virginia picks up different characters depending on, you know, where it's grown in the country and, and even, in, you know, around the world. They grow a lot of uh, Virginia and Brazil, and I think they've been trying to grow it successfully in, in China now. That's a big thing for them. That'll be you gotta interesting. you got to watch out there. There's some, there's some bad tobacco out there, too, though. All right, so I'm... I'm going to start out with one of your blends, and I'm a I'm a basic English smoker, a Virginia Latakia type. Which blend would you suggest I start out with? The only one that I would say is an English blend, and I would say modestly because I know some English blends have a huge amount of Latakia. The only one I have that I would call a mild English blend is our AB Rimbochet, and it stands for Acadian Black. And that's where we got that dark-fired tobacco from. Actually, I think we got it from Tennessee. And we processed it like Perique, and then we added some Latakia into that. And it's not a huge amount. I think it's, well, it's under 10%. It's 5 to 8%. I forget off the top of my head. But the Latakia does give it a rich, you know, beautiful um, aroma in there. And it's got some Virginias that marry well with it and some other things. That, that's a really good blend. All right, now I'm a real high octane. I want a real. I want a tobacco that's going to kick my butt. Which blend? Well, at one time I would have told you our Cockstrong because that's that's really a type of U, U.S. blend, like in the Venger series. Mm-hmm. But it was so, it, it had so much potential for strength if you weren't ready for it because we we added more of the strong burlies and some more tops. But that's called Cockstrong, and that's an old slang in the South. You know, I used to hear when I first moved down here about, uh, that boy is cockstrong. And I thought, man, what a cool trademark that would be for a strong tobacco. So <laughs> cockstrong is, is, is more robust on that end. 
But I'll tell you, our strongest one now is Picayune. Uh, that's an old trademark from the southeast from when I was a kid, and I did a bunch of research and put that blend together from what I could find on the Internet, actually. And the backbone on that's very unusual because it's dark air cured. Instead of being, a you know, a Burley or a Virginia, and then it's got loads of Perique, and um, it's got some, it does have some Virginia tops, not very much, and then it's got some, some high-end uh, Turkish Izmir to sort of sweeten a little bit and make it so it didn't quite curl your toes completely. <laughs> but that's, that's a strong blend. I usually tease people and tell them don't, don't smoke it for the first time if you're driving your car. <laughs> you don't end up in a ditch and wonder how you got there. <laughs> now, if I'm, a, if I'm an aromatic smoker like most of the listeners are, is there a blend that you would suggest as a good starter to, uh, for an aromatic smoker? Yeah, for our aromatic, I would say we, we really, our primary ones are our Roland series. And our, our regular one and our silver, basically, you know, when you smoke it, you feel, boy, this is really something I feel very comfortable with. But basically what it is, is it's a cocoa-type um, component. And that's why people feel so at home with it. And once I tell them that, it's like, oh, yeah, I can detect that. So that's. <laughs> You know, real special for those folks. And actually, our Rolling Gold is different in that series, but it is flavored. That one's more complex, and it's got more of a, uh, I guess, a European type flavoring. That's that's it's not quite as forward, but it it is it is an aromatic. And then our other one that's aromatic is Athey, and that's actually that's that was my father's middle name, William Athey Ryan. It's an old family name, and that one's an aromatic. That's actually my one of my more complex blends. To develop um, because it's it's got a bunch of layers of flavoring in there, inclu- including a, a, a sort of fruity, um, m- fermented fruit sort of layer, and it's got a little botanical, and it's got a little bit of a whiskey flavor in it, and it's it's real popular too with folks that like aromatics. And am I detecting when I when I look at your tobaccos and touch them and feel them, and I've smoked uh, I've smoked several of them. Is your moisture content lower than what most other pipe tobacco manufacturers do? You know, it, it is, Brian. And the main reason is, since we don't do the aromatic type stuff, when you when you add stuff to tobacco, it, it's usually added in two stages. The first thing that people will put on a tobacco when they're flavoring it is called a casing. And it's going to include a humectant, maybe an antimicrobial. And that serves to open the cells up of the leaf. And then secondarily, you add the flavorings that get incorporated into the tobacco characteristics. The thing is, when you get above roughly 16% moisture content, you really have to clobber the tobacco with humectants and antimicrobials so it doesn't spoil. I don't put flavorings on my tobaccos because I appreciate the varietal character of what I'm creating. I can't bear to put all that stuff on it. I do because I had to for some demand. But... I do it at a lower amount because I don't want to put all that stuff on my tobacco. Another nice thing about that, you're not paying for water. and You're not paying for casings and flavorings. So, yeah, my tobacco might come out 15 to 16%, let's say. Pipe tobacco, you know, Brian, is going to be, what, 18 to 24%. You're yeah. paying for a lot of moisture. So it's funny, my little tin, because mostly we sell a 100-gram uh, cup, although we sell a lot of the tins at the shows. 
because it's 40 grams. But people look at that and they say, well, why do you only have 40 grams in there? Everybody else has 50. I say, well, open my 10 up. You look at it, we were lucky to get 40 grams in there because it doesn't have all the moisture. It's got if about, I do, i got to clobber it with chemicals. It's got about a third less of the moisture in it. You do offer most of them are in 40-gram, 3.5-ounce, and 14-ounce bags. So. Yeah, 14-ounce pouch, that's right, for heavy consumers that buy in bulk. Now, what else besides pipe tobacco? I know I see you at the trade show. What else is uh, Daughters and Ryan involved in? Well, you know, with all the government regulation, Brian, there's so much uncertainty. I don't know what to do anymore. And I'm at the position. I've got a good company. I hate to let it die on the vine. I don't want to lay off any employees. So I'm constantly looking for new things that I can put in my portfolio so I can keep my people active. Well, a couple years ago, we took advantage of the rising tide from shisha or hookah tobacco and actually came out with with a dozen blends for that six based on a virginia honey blend and another half a dozen based on a a burly molasses blend you know and i put my magic to that like a cook would and came up with fusion blends and the strength for my stuff is it's got super premium tobacco as the base so we've added that we also supply a lot of accessories to the industry and here in the last year, uh, we've gotten into premium cigars. I, I attended the Inter-Tobac Asia show uh, last year in the Philippines and saw our good friend Saab Suge there, who many of your listeners may know. He is a wonderful guy. And as soon as I saw him, he carried me over to uh, the Tobacco Air booth. He was telling me what wonderful cigars they made, and uh, they were his favorite cigars, and he does wonderful with them in Asia, but they're not in the U.S. anymore. So I, I got into, you know, a relationship with those folks, and we're now the exclusive U.S. importer of Tobacco Lalera cigars, which includes DJU, which is Don Juan or Keo, uh, Tobacco Lera 1881, and Alhambra. So we're bringing those in. The thing that's exciting about that that your listeners may want to know about is at the recent IPCPR, which is the new name for the RTDA, uh, we introduced the Perique 1881, which is a killer. It's just a wonderful cigar. First time Philippines has a, uh, what I would call a, a more full-bodied cigar. And it doesn't have that obnoxious odor of a lot of strong cigars. It's got that wonderful Perique taste. But again, it's a creeper. So I think that's going to be a foot in the door to develop that category, I'm hopeful. And then we're coming out with electronic cigarettes and you know, I know it's like every Tom, Dick, and Harry has those stupid things now. I think they're probably two or 300 manufacturers. <laughs> but we're having ours as Cockstrong, Ramback, and Windsail with 28, 24, and 11 milligrams. It's not every Tom, Dick, and Harry. We're using our real brands, and I'm excited to be doing that. And then the third thing is we're doing filtered cigars, and I'm, I'm excited by that. Um, We've got a crossover market. All three that we're coming out with have Preak in them. We've brought back the, the Picayune brand as a strong, robust, filtered cigar. And then we have the Rimbochet Red and the Rimbochet Blue. And our Picayune filtered cigar is like the uh, pipe blend. It's got that backbone off the dark air cured, so you got to watch out. It'll knock you down. The Rimbochets <laughs> are fantastic and just light and mellow and flavorful 
Um, the the red is is full flavor. I guess you can use that term for cigars. Um, but it's got Perique in it. It's got a little uh, black Cavendish and some bright Virginia. Same with the blue, a little com- different combination. Plus, it's going to have some uh, perforations in the tipping paper. And, and actually, we brought some samples of those to the Kansas City Pipe Show. And I was so excited to the reception people had that pipe lovers could recognize and appreciate what they smelled in there and how exceptional it was for a filtered cigar. And, and it was nice to hear, hear people smell it and go, oh, man, that smells like good pipe tobacco. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. I mean, for the first time, really, filtered cigars are going to have super premium tobacco in them. No recon, no you know, crappy floor sweepings, but really good tobacco. So those are the three things I got on the plate now that I'm excited about, and we're going to be bringing them to market in the next month or two. And one last memory of you, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up. But I believe I helped you pick out the first pipe you owned. You did. Yeah. You did. We were walking around. In fact, I think it was at the Richmond show, and it was Trent. Yep. Over at um, McCraney's. That's absolutely right. Yeah, I got a Costello. Oh, let me tell you one other thing before we close, Brian, I'm excited about. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to step back and wonder, you know, I'm so lucky to have friends in the industry and to to be in the industry for over 20 years and finally get, you know, some recognition from friends and appreciation. But we got an invitation to develop the the pipeline to be used in the Chicago contest for the the pipe smoking contest next year. Oh, cool. So we have to... Isn't that neat? I'm, I'm so excited. We've worked on several blends. We've picked one that uh, I think we're going to be using. I'm going to submit submit that for folks to try, and we're going to have it at the Richmond show next month for folks to try and see if we need to refine it. And we're going to have that on the market, actually, you know, in, in Richmond in the trial form, and then also at the West Coast show in, in November at Marty's show. We're going to wrap this one up. Can I ask you a favor, though? Certainly. I want to have you come back, and on the next, I want to have you come back again. On the next one, I'll ask you the fast five final questions, but I want to have you come back specifically and talk about Perique. Will you come back again in a couple of weeks? I'd be happy to, Brian. You know, Perique's my one of my loves, so I'd be, I'd really enjoy coming back and sharing some stories with you. Mark, thank you for your time. Folks, if you want to find some of his stuff, check out your uh, favorite uh, your favorite pipe tobacco company or your favorite retailer. He's got them all over the place. So, Mark, thanks again. We'll talk real soon. Thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Take care. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs.
are back. And I, you know, I, I know I say this over and over again that there's some really wonderful people in the hobby, uh, wonderful people on the business side of it, wonderful people on the collector side of it. Mark is really one of those wonderful people. Love getting together with him. He is actually really passionate about the real raw leaf of the tobacco. Uh, I will tell you that there are some people in the hobby that I really don't like, but it's few and few and few and far between. So maybe two or three of them, you'll never hear them on the show. So in the meantime, uh, for music, got a request for some Freddie King, so we're going back to the blues. Thank you. 
recording of freddie going way back uh not much having to do with pipe smoking there except it just makes me want to sit back relax and listen to the song and smoke my pipe what's this a letter for me a couple of things left over from last week's show uh zachary says he just found the show back in early june and his best memory with the show came when he did a marathon of the show from june to july to get caught up to the current programs uh Zach's also a young college graduate just out of school for uh, a year now. So uh, Scott Scottso on the forums wrote in and said that uh, his favorite memory was the time we promoted the auction to support my daughter's diabetes. And uh, and when we also uh, solicited pipes for Jack Carlos for him to send off to Guinea, West Africa. Uh, yeah, both of those an amazing amount of uh, amazing amount of compassion from this uh, pipe smoking community and heard from Jack that uh, the pipes are on the way over he got a bunch of tobacco as well and he's sending a camera over there to uh, have pictures sent back of all of our new uh, our new pipe smoking brothers in Guinea West Africa Real quick shout-outs or hellos to Craig listening in Ireland, Jason in Yorkshire, England, uh, Joe Haddad in Damascus, Syria, and I hope I don't destroy this name, but Domagaj in Croatia. Thanks for letting me know you guys are listening. Glad to know that the show's going out all over the world. Let me try to recap for you the uh, Music City Pipe Show and Sales Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, two weekends ago. Uh, really, more like two very large trunk shows. The Friday event was held at Big Star Cigar in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, in uh, just east of Nashville. And the Saturday all-day event was held at Uptown Smoke Shop in right in the heart of Nashville. And there was even a uh, an after party on Saturday at a brand new store called Smokers Abbey. Nashville has got a great pipe smoking community. Great new pipe club there, the uh, Southern Fried Pipe Club. Both days, mu- music, live entertainment, food brought in by the vendors or by the retailers. Uh, both days, kind of a separate theme at each day. The first day on Friday was what they call the Indie Pipe Makers. Not a big fan of that name, but the Artisan Pipe Makers were represented at Big Star Cigar. And on Saturday, the factory brands, the bigger name brands, were represented at Uptowns. Uh, Again, just a great group of people, all kind of focused from and connected via YouTube. I've checked out some of their videos. Great group of people, had a great time. Sold a, sold a lot of pipes there. And that will bring me to what I'm going to discuss coming up in The Rant, which will be in just a minute. This is Internet Radio.
I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. Guess what? I lied to you. How'd I lie to you? I'm not doing a rant this week, but I didn't say anything about it because I didn't want you tuning out early in case you really love the rants and look forward to see what I got to complain about. I got a couple of rants lined up, one of them slightly based off of a comment from a listener, and I'll get into that next week. What I want to talk about right now, right here, is there's a little bit of confusion out there, a little bit of... uh, Misunderstanding. My uh, full-time job is working for Brigham. My full-time job is going out, selling and promoting and marketing all the products that Brigham sells here in the United States. This is the job that affords me the ability to go to pipe shows and travel around the country and go to different pipe shops and attend different trade shows. The Pipes Magazine radio show, although a lot of fun, is a part-time kind of a fun thing for me and I look forward to doing it every week but it's not the main thing when I'm out at a pipe show or something like that the reason I'm out there is because of my job at Brigham USA as the national sales manager so I just wanted to spend a little bit of time and try to clarify that for some people that are confused that oh the pipes magazine radio show guy is here at our event no I was at the event or I'm traveling because I'm the Brigham USA guy, talking about Brigham Pipes, talking about our new tobaccos, and so on and so on. I don't want to turn this into a commercial, and again, this isn't a rant. It's just a chance for me to clarify my position and make sure that everybody understands that the Pipes Magazine radio show is very important to me, but it is about 8 to 10 hours a week of my life, and the full-time job is with Brigham USA. So with all that cleared up and out there, I do want to mention that next week at Thursday night, I will be in Boca Raton at Bennington's for their pipe club meeting, doing the Brigham USA thing down there. So next week's show will be completely pre-recorded, but it will be on the air at 8 p.m. Eastern time. My uh, guest next week, one of your uh, pipe smoking community, I have Tom Eltang lined up coming up on a future episode. We got a bunch of fun stuff because I do have fun doing this little show. Uh, If you get a chance, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. We do appreciate that. That keeps the show rated up there real high. And if you've got a friend that smokes a pipe, hey, let them know about the Pipes Magazine radio show. So I think I've covered it all. 
I will leave you with this. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. Thank you for tuning in, and until next time. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy As the mind reader said to his audience, I'd like to leave you with this. Final thought. There, did you get the thought? <laughs>